Welcome to Wah Wonders Why, a companion podcast to smart enough to know better. This episode is titled... Really, it's called Snapshots, Snapshots Africa. Africa. I've come to the conclusion, though, that I've started liking Africa by Toto unironically. It used to be years ago that I was like, ooh, I really like Africa by Toto. And this is before the internet got really into it, by the way. I was cool. Cool? <laughs> Maybe not cool? Anyway, I liked this song before the internet did, but I kind of liked it ironically. But now I think I actually like it. Is, that, is there a difference? Is there no such thing as liking things unironically? Is, can you just... Do you just like it, but you don't want to pretend that you do like it so that you don't? Hey, this is not what this podcast is about. What is this podcast about? Well, from the name, I'm sure you can guess. Let's get straight to the interview. Please welcome to the podcast, Tara. Hello, Tara. Hello. From the accent, from that one hello, I can detect that you're from somewhere that we've never been before. And that is... South Africa. South Africa. That's exciting. So Tara very kindly got in contact when I talked on the last podcast about how I couldn't talk to anyone from from Africa. She said that she would happily chat to me. So here we are. We're going to do a quick snapshot, see how you're going in the very small African continent, (laughs) one part of the world, which I really don't know what's going on. Say a little bit about yourself and where you are roughly. So... I live in South Africa. I live in a town near, in fact, our claim to fame was that the first coronavirus case was recorded in our town. So, yeah, everybody panicked. But yes, I live in the eastern, in KwaZulu-Natal province, which is sort of the northeastern part of the country in South Africa, which is one country of many, many in the continent of Africa. My experiences down this part of the world may be very different to other parts of Africa. No, I understand. I I won't hold you to account for all of Africa. (laughs) It is a large, large continent with many different people. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. let's go back to the first snapshot I did when I got in contact with people back in March of 2020. What was was March 2020? That's the start of the coronavirus, well, the pandemic side of it anyway. Yes. What was your experience right at the start? Well, yeah, so as I said, the first coronavirus case in South Africa was recorded in the town where I live. That was on 6th of March, 2020. Everybody was sort of, oh, it's come, it's here, okay, but it'll be fine. You know, nobody thought it was such a big deal back then. About two weeks later, on the 15th of March, the president of the country declared a, na- a state of, emer- of disaster, not an emergency, state of disaster, and then schools closed on the 18th of March and didn't reopen for another three to four months. Wow. We were placed under what we call a hard lockdown, so level five lockdown. Nobody was allowed to leave their homes, not even to exercise. Schools were closed. Non-essential businesses were closed. Online shopping was closed. What? (laughs) We couldn't do anything. (laughs) And we literally, unless you were an essential worker or a healthcare worker, you were not allowed to leave your property, which was very hard. And that was initially for three weeks and then it was extended for a further two weeks so we were in hard lockdown for the whole of the end of March and the whole of April of 2020. It was quite an extreme lockdown 
comparatively, we, as I said, like you weren't allowed to leave your property, but they also did things like they closed all the bottle stores. You weren't allowed to go and buy alcohol anywhere in oh, the country. They that's... also closed sales of cigarettes and tobacco products. You weren't, couldn't buy anything like of that nature anywhere in the country. This might say something um, about Australians and Australians' problems, but one of the essential <laughs> shops that always remained open were the bottle shops. The alcohol stores. Well, I think that you, lots of South Africans would also have argued that they were essential, but the government. Well, to begin said with, no. to begin with, I was, I was when it happened in Australia, I was like, what? What you know? Okay, hospitals and shops, food stores, I get. And I was like, oh, alcohol stores. But then a, a friend of mine who who is a recovering alcoholic pointed out that if you're an alcoholic and suddenly your medicine vanishes, things go bad very quickly. Yeah, and, and so it's you, so to take it away can be very very difficult. When they made this announcement, they made the announcement sort of three or four days before the lockdown came into effect. And like everywhere else in the world, there was complete panic buying, (laughs) couldn't get toilet paper, couldn't get cigarettes. I mean, people were buying huge, huge quantities of cigarettes just because they knew that, you know, the next three weeks, probably more that you were going to be able to get it. In fact, Mm. cigarette sales ended up being illegal for five months. They didn't open tobacco products for sale for five months in 2020. Oh, could you imagine if you were um, addicted to cigarette? Oh, my goodness. That would be. Well, what ha- all that happened was there was a massive black market explosion <laughs> in, in <laughs> illegal cigarette sales and alcohol as well because, you know, you make a plan. Yeah. <laughs> Life <laughs> so, finds a way. That's- exactly. So <laughs> for my my family personally, I've worked online at home since 2017. So for me, things didn't really change dramatically. My company is an online company. We do pretty much everything over the web. So for me, it wasn't that big of a deal. But my husband works as a as the deputy director of a local museum. And so he was sent home and all his staff were sent home and they had to make plans to look after the collections, you know, the collections of specimens and so on and so forth, make sure that the fridges were running, make sure the dehumidifiers were working, that kind of thing. So he had an essential work permit, which allowed him to travel backwards and forwards to his office once a week, just to check that everything was still working. Our two kids were sent home from school. I have a almost eight-year-old and a five-year-old. Oh my goodness. That's... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly you're now your teacher as well as as suddenly you're a teacher as well and trying to do your work and trying to sort of keep everybody like positive and happy and this is not going to be such a big deal and Mm -hmm. it'll be fine. And (laughs) I think the biggest uncertainty for everybody was not knowing how long all of the situation was going to last for. Initially, as I said, it was we were locked down for three weeks and then that was extended by another two weeks, so it was okay, right, we can manage it. It's the beginning of May, We'll all, everything will start opening up again, mm. it'll be great. But then at the beginning of May, they dropped us from level five to level four, which effectively meant that some people could go back to work, but schools are still closed, most non-essential businesses are still closed, all of that sort of thing. So it didn't really make a big difference. The only thing that we were allowed to certainly do was to exercise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Up to that point, we hadn't been allowed to leave the house, not even to exercise. And you had people, oh. you know, doing marathons, running around their garden. And <laughs> yeah, it was just, but it, for us being in the Southern Hemisphere, May is going into winter. So it was dark. Mm. We were allowed to exercise between six and nine in the morning. And that was mm. it. Um, I'm, can I just say, can I just kick in? I'm just going to say, I, I am so excited to be talking to a Southern Hemisphere person <laughs> on this podcast. Everyone's from the Northern Hemisphere. 
And I always have to, you know, Southern Hemisphere, the best hemisphere. And, yes. and they're always like, oh, no, thank you very much. And like, yes, anyway, so thank you. Thank you, uh, Southern Hemisphere. And the, the, uh, I, I, summertime I, is the best way to do it. I have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> Going to the beach instead of bundling up in the snow. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so for me, the biggest thing was like, our children were missing out on all this schooling. And for people like us who had access to technology and are fairly well educated ourselves, yeah, it's a mission and it was difficult and we're not cut out to be teachers, Mm. but you can make a plan. You can manage, you can access the wealth of the internet and you've got all of these resources at your fingertips Mm -hmm. and you can teach your children. But for the vast majority of South Africans who do not have access to that kind of technology or Mm. for whom data costs are just prohibitive and they cannot download a worksheet or even if the the teacher sends an email they can't download that information Mm. there are enormous number of children who just didn't get any schooling for more than five months last year yeah (laughs) and you you sort of the the department of basic education here sort of said oh no we've we've um changed how the curriculum is arranged and nobody will get left behind and we you know that kind of thing but I really do think that there's going to be huge implications down the line for those missing months of of education. And other things like, sorry, there's a school feeding program here for a lot of the government schools where kids come to school and they get a a full meal because that's the only time that they get proper food because they come from these poor communities. So all of those things went away in a heartbeat. Yeah, people were left scrambling desperately to figure out how to cope with this sort of new reality and also they're not knowing how long it was going to last my kids personally only went back to school in july so they were all from the end of march until july and then when they went back they also only went back on alternate days so half the class went on monday wednesday and friday and then other half on tuesdays and thursdays and then the following week they switched so yeah it was august or september before they were back at school for full time that's that's really cool. I, I've mentioned on the podcast before how nearly everyone I've talked to on the podcast about this all come from semi-privileged backgrounds to extremely privileged mm-hmm. backgrounds. And, and I and, cut myself amongst that, definitely. And we sort of forget that there's been a feeling I get when reading the news about, oh, how well Australia has done and oh, how well this country has done and how well that country has done. And mm-hmm. you're like, ah, oh, these are all the, the, the developed nations that have a very large white collar working group that can work online and work from home agreed and we kind of forget that there's a large number of people who do not fit into mm-hmm. that who have been quietly and then desperately suffering and we've we've mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. forgotten about them yes i i'm wondering if that was that more open maybe i mean it's definitely happened here in australia but it's kind of hidden away is it more open in south africa do you think definitely a disparity so one of the things that the government did when they announced this lockdown was also then announced a 500 billion rand alleviation program you know Mm -hmm. injection into the economy to do things like support people who've lost their jobs because they can't work and it's across the spectrum you know you're talking about restaurant workers you're talking about shift workers who working in like on farm workers or people who drive trucks all of these sort of blue collar workers or, or people who are part of the informal economy. So you here it's very common to see somebody standing on the side of the road selling vegetables or right. carvings or wire sculptures that they've made. Those people are not part of the formal economy. And when everything shut down, people were traveling to work, which means that nobody was walking 
past buying whatever they were selling, those people have kind of been, they've fallen through the crack. The government have tried desperately to introduce social grants in the form of an actual cash payment, but you have to have the wherewithal to go to an office to be able to apply for that grant and you have to have a bank account in order to receive the money and, 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 and. And like with any government, there's bureaucracy around all of that and corruption, let's face it. In South Africa, corruption is a major problem. Right. Yeah, so it's it has been very difficult. A lot has fallen on the private sector to fill that gap. So in the town where I live, you had almost overnight these charitable organizations springing up or becoming much more visible, saying, we are so-and-so, we are feeding X number of kids in this township um please make donations when you do your local grocery shopping just drop them off at the trolley at by the tills kind of thing and right. and they're still doing that i mean more than a year later mm. there are still people who require that kind of aid who are not getting it anywhere else yeah so i tried to recognize that yeah it sucked we were at home for five five weeks we weren't allowed to go anywhere we weren't allowed to do anything but in the grander scheme of things, both my husband and I were still employed. Mm-hmm. Neither of us took a pay cut. Mm-hmm. You know, the biggest thing for us was that our children were at home with us while we were trying to work. Which but, is, that's a horrible thing. Which is difficult, <laughs> but, you know, it could be worse, you know. Yes, of course. <laughs> the yes. other thing that then happened was when the economy started to open up, when we got down to about level three, which was July-ish, 2020, Lots of people were required to go back to work, but schools are not yet open. So if you don't have childcare or you can't afford childcare to have someone to come to your home and look after your children and you have to go to work, yeah. what do you do? Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was a very difficult year in very many ways and much more so for the poor people in the community. So where are you now? So it's April 2021. What's South Africa mm-hmm. look like now, corona-wise? Well, we still have it. <laughs> um, yeah, we went through two waves last year. So we had our first peak, then dropped off quite precipitously. And then around Christmas time, we had headed into the second wave. And we actually went into another quasi-hard lockdown that wasn't quite as extreme as the first time around. But again, the government, it was Christmas time, but they closed all the beaches. All the beaches throughout the country were closed. Rivers and dams as well, so you couldn't go and hang out and gather in in groups. Closed bottle stores again, restaurants, all of those things were over the Christmas festive period, which destroyed so many small businesses because, you know, they've just managed to survive the the first part of 2020 and you're counting on this sort of tourism influx over the festive period and then everything got shut down. So, right, yeah, so that was in December. Again, it fell off quite precipitously and beginning of 2021, things seem to have felt a lot more normal. We are actually at the lowest active number of cases since May last year, currently. However, it looks like things are on the uptick again. Ah. Cases are slowly increasing. Everybody's worried about a third wave. The government actually 
prohibited travel and closed bottle stores. This is, seems to be their standard response <laughs> whenever, whenever anybody wants to do something someone, over Easter. Someone in the um, in the bottle store industry has upset the government somewhere. <laughs> they, they didn't answer. Yeah, didn't didn't date them or something or like, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's quite interesting because South Africa used to used to have quite strict alcohol laws. Like you couldn't buy alcohol on a Sunday anywhere in the country for a long, long, long time. Okay. Um, and then it all got opened up. So at the moment, the so over Easter, everything was closed. And you were, you were discouraged from traveling. You were discouraged from gathering. Bottle stores were closed, et cetera, et cetera. All in the hopes of preventing a sort of a, a, a runaway third wave. Yeah, so we are currently under level what they call level one adjusted, which... <laughs> 1.5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the levels are made up and nothing matters. Um, <laughs> it means that we... Most things are back to normal. Most businesses are open. Ga- large gatherings are still prohibited. You're still not supposed to sort of... Do you wear masks? Right? Sorry to interrupt. Yes. Do you wear masks? So masks have been mandatory since last year. Okay. Anytime you're out in public. Businesses will have a hand sanitizer station at the front door. They will have signs that saying, you know, entry is prohibited unless you're wearing a mask. Masks are, in fact, I think you can be fined or imprisoned if you're not, if you're caught without one in public. Okay. However, that doesn't mean that people wear them properly. No, no. <laughs> yes. There's lo- lots of chin masks that I've seen, oh, or, you know, yeah, your nose sticking out over the top and just sort of, oh, come yeah. on, people, it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, <sorry>. um, <laughs> yeah, so it's any face covering, so people... People will sort of will tie a T-shirt around their face if they have no other options, you know, if they don't have anything else available. Become a T-shirt um, ninja, basically. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I was thinking about that. The skill I learned at university uh, when I should have been studying was to how to turn a T-shirt into a, like a ninja mask. And now this is what I was leading to. I, Absolutely. Uh, so Skills. All those years ago, people told me I was wasting my time. Now I'm like, who's laughing now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <Us. laughs> no, no, it's laughing. Yeah, South Africa sits in this weird. It's a weird. You know, it's one of the most developed countries on the African continent, but it's still not like an Australia equivalent. We still are a very poor middle. I don't know what you'd call us. We kind of fall in between first and third world. I don't yeah. think they use those terms anymore, but you yeah. know what I mean? A, devel- a, a developing nation? Is that I think- a developing nation? Yeah. We're one of the BRICS nations, I think. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, what it means is that you kind of have enough resources to do the testing and checking and that kind of thing, but you don't actually have the resources or the wherewithal to roll out a massive response to this crisis so other countries in africa like for example i grew up in zimbabwe my mom and dad still live there they have both been vaccinated oddly enough mm. um we'll get to that mm. <laughs> um, vaccines the next question yes yes <laughs> um so they have both been vaccinated but testing in zimbabwe is very much done by the private sector and it costs 25 us dollars a test oh, oh so okay. wow yeah ah. so if you are only earning $50 a month, mm. there's no ways you're going to get tested. You're just going to chalk it up to having the flu and carry on as normal, you know. So a lot of the – my feeling is that there are a lot of African nations, especially the ones that are less developed, let's say, that are reporting very low instances of coronavirus, but that is an artifact of 
not enough testing. Yes, yeah. Okay. So yeah, okay. it's a very skewed. You, so if you look at a map of Africa and where the, the, the these sort of the northern African countries, Egypt and Algeria and all of those ones have got very high instances, but they are also testing a lot. Mm. South Africa is testing a lot, and there's this big gap in the middle where it doesn't seem to be done as much simply because it's not available. Mm-hmm. You also have instances in Africa where there is a very anti-Western feeling. So people sort of say, oh, this is a Western disease. It doesn't apply here. It's not a real thing. Yes. And you've got, you know, the president of country saying this. So oh my goodness. what do you do as a, as a population? You have no choice. They haven't made any effort to lock down or shut down or mm, anything really. I just want to, um, I, I, sorry to interrupt again, Tara. I just want to give the listeners a, a bit of context. Then the RAND, mm-hmm. uh, it's 14 RAND to the American dollar. So, uh, yep. so that gives you an idea of, of, of when you say 25 American dollars, that's a lot of RAND. And there's a lot of RAND. And I'm assuming, I'm going to guess here that you don't earn 14 times the average no. American wage. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the, so it's, uh, yeah, there, there's the issue as well. If you have a, a yeah. currency with, wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that, is, that is a big, big problem. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be for Zimbabwe, but in South Africa, testing is at free at the moment. The government is subsidizing it and it will be the same for vaccines when we eventually get them, which brings me to the other point. As everybody knows, there's this big, scary South African variant of the coronavirus. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the 501.v2 variant. Um, <laughs> you know the name. You're, I've looked it up because everybody it. calls it the South, South yes. African variant, which is unfair because yes. it's just a mutation. <laughs> but what that means or what they've discovered is all the major vaccinations, the Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, are less effective against that variant mm-hmm. than they are elsewhere in the world or against other variants. So South Africa got about a million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine in February. Okay. But when the results were released that this this that particular vaccine was not effective against the South African variant, they didn't roll it out. So we've got a million doses sitting in a warehouse somewhere, which are probably expired by now, but anyway. I wonder if Australia could just buy it. I wonder if we could... <laughs> <laughs> well, they did start vaccinating with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. They started vaccinating healthcare workers. They said that they were going to vaccinate all the one and a half million healthcare workers in the country first. Mm -hmm. At the moment, they've only vaccinated 293,000. That's since March. So 0.5% of the population. They have now suspended... Is it 60 million South Africans? Roughly 60 million South Africans, yeah. Okay. They've now suspended that vaccination because of the blood clot they discovered in the state. So there is currently no vaccine program being rolled out here oh goodness, at the moment. <laughs> it's a bit frustrating. My parents were vaccinated with the Chinese Sinovac mm-hmm. vaccine. China just gave Zimbabwe a whole lot of doses. So they have been vaccinated, but we have not. Mm-hmm. And for people like my husband and myself who are not over the age of 60, don't have any comorbidities, are not essential workers. They're talking about people like us only being eligible to register for vaccination towards November this year. Yeah. So, and that's assuming... That you'll you'll be vaccinated when I get vaccinated. Australia is not, we're not doing that great either. (laughs) 
unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> are you that current? Are you currently vaccinating people? Uh, yes, but it's it's very. So small. you are doing better than South Africa. <laughs> okay, no, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, the essential workers and uh, yeah, and and but it's it's very slow going. I won't go into it's a whole political. Yeah, it's anyway. a whole political thing. Look, it always look is. It, look it up on the internet <clears throat> if you want to find out what's yeah. going on. That's <laughs> yeah. So. Pfizer have committed 20 million doses, which should be arriving in June. Here in South Africa, all of the vaccination program is administered by the government. So even if you're on a private medical aid, you still have to go through a government portal in order to register to be available to you. And that whole technological process is very slow and very complicated and rolling out extremely slowly and so on. So we just don't know. I mean, I joke with my husband that we will get vaccinated when we turn 40 which will be in two years time so (laughs) (laughs) who knows i mean yeah yeah, it's it's a very it's a very interesting thing and and also with the vaccine there's question marks about the efficacy of the vaccines i mean Mm. they are only between 30 and 60 percent effective against the south african variant compared to you know 80 to 90 percent elsewhere Mm -hmm. Oh wow, okay, that's a big. But I suppose any vaccine is better than no vaccine. You know? I think that's the yeah, that's the the idea that it's going to be a magic bullet that stops the disease is something we have to stamp out pretty hard. But we should get vaccinated yep. anyway. Just give some. Yeah, definitely. A, a lot of the time, people say it won't stop you getting it; it'll just stop it killing you, and and that's yes. important. So it will reduce. And that the, is important. The, yeah, so, I mean, I I like yeah. think it's it's what I basically do. It's yeah. just it's just consume resources and and uh, linger on. Yeah. So. I, yeah. I don't want to stop doing it. I've got stuff to do, you know? I've got stuff to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just out of out of interest, there have been one and a half million cases in South Africa out mm-hmm. of our 60 million population. That's cumulative from the first till now, and well, until yesterday when I looked up the figures, and 53,000 deaths. So the recovery rate here is extremely high, over 95%. And what people seem to say is that there is no middle ground here. You don't get what what we call long COVID. You don't end up in hospital on a ventilator for months and months and months. Mm. You either get it and you're sick for two or three weeks and then you recover or you get it and you die. There doesn't seem to be this in-between situation where you have many weeks in hospital or many months in hospital requiring ICU care and that kind of thing. Mm. Not to say it doesn't happen. Mm. You know, people do go to hospital, they need oxygen, but that that extreme intervention doesn't seem to be as common here. Our local blood donating service actually did a really interesting study. They, January and February of this year, I think, they tested donors' blood for COVID antibodies. Mm-hmm. And they found that between 60, there was a 30 to 60% prevalence of antibodies in people's blood. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, mean that you got it, mm-hmm. but it was an interesting observation to suggest that maybe people have been exposed to it and have been asymptomatic. But that 30 to 60% is much, much, much higher than the instances that the government reporting, which is only around 3 to 5%. Mm. So, mm. yeah, it's curious. And I wonder if there's sort of an innate immunity to it within Africa, because if it did come out of Africa, as everybody seems to be suggesting, Perhaps it's been in this population for a lot longer. Oh, okay. I, I, I feel like I'm stepping into dangerous territory now. But yeah, from the, <laughs> the Australian story, as far as, as, I, as I understand it, is that we think it, come, it came from China, from the Wuhan province in China. Animals from Africa 
in the market oh, in China. I so if the, if the reservoir of the disease is within the wildlife in Africa, and it is, is, is and it can jump between wildlife and humans, there may be a possibility of it being like a, uh, like a, 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 a like similar a, yeah. disease, a similar disease, a similar, yeah. in the in the African population. In the population, yeah, of, of, yeah, but, uh, potentially. That's. I mean, I, I am not a virologist. I mean, I don't know at all, and that's just a, was a theory that has been raised. Maybe I, I, South like I'm not a virologist a at all. People. Maybe maybe you're just oh, a tough yeah. people, strong, <laughs> very tough bunch, very tough bunch. Yeah, bunch. you're going to have a lot of. We, we, I mean, every year we're going to have. I mean, this, this is why this the UK strain and the South African strain and all this sort of stuff. I think it's it's that knee jerk reaction that we all humans just have to, to other things. But in mm. the end, it's going to be a yearly strain. You're going to get these yearly strains coming around and coming around. Mm-hmm, we we'll have mm-hmm. to learn to coexist with this thing. It's not going away anytime Mm-mm. soon we just have to no. stop stop it from shutting down our our civilization and killing our people basically yeah um, absolutely. And, and probably the other way around stop killing our people and not shut down our civilization that's probably how we should yes. do it i think we're going to be chatting again quite soon <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel about it in six months time do you think we'll be chatting again i think definitely with with the lack of vaccination program and the trend towards a an uptick in the number of active cases. I think that it's not going away anytime soon. I think that we have now a year and a bit into it. We've learned kind of how to deal with it. We are learning to strike a balance between keeping everybody safe, but not shutting down the economy completely in the way that we did last year, Um, not shutting down schools and that kind of thing. So, and it's been amazing to watch my kids who have been living with this now for a year. It's just a totally normal thing to them. Yeah. You know, you go to the shops, you you yep. put your shoes on, you get your shopping bag, and you put your mask on, and off you go. It's just <laughs> totally normal to them. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah, so we live, we live I think we'll be talking world. in six months' time. <laughs> I, look, I hope so. Tara, thank you very much for your time. It's been – I'm so glad that you got in contact and I look forward to chatting to you again for the next snapshot, the one, the one and a half year snapshot. I know. Some, sometime in October, I'll get in contact Crazy. with you once more. Yes, great. So, thank you very much. It. Thank you. Massive thanks to Tara from South Africa for chatting to me all about these, her South African experience with the coronavirus. If you're somewhere else in Africa and you'd also like to chat to me, please get in contact at greg at smartenough.org. Or there is another giant continent I would like to talk to, and that is South America. If you live anywhere on the South American continent, also get in contact. Or if you're Antarctican. I don't know if they actually are Antarcticans. Has anyone been born in Antarctica? I don't know. Something to look up. Or even actually in China or in India, because those places are having fun times, in inverted commas, as well. Tara made a really interesting point about the problems that happens if your country hasn't got the money to look after its poorer citizens or has just left them to, you know, die in a ditch. These people are going to fall behind. So when, even though I complain, I go, oh, I have to wear a mask and... Oh no, we got shut down again for the weekend and I can't possibly go to the picture theater. I really am pretty lucky. I'm stupidly lucky, in fact. We should keep that in mind. And don't forget the countries and the people that actually are going into the problem still. They're sailing into the iceberg when we've kind of come off the iceberg and now we're all floating on top 
of a giant uh, tabletop, piano top, I think it was, that definitely had place for two people, but only one person because of sexism. Thank you, Titanic. But more seriously, I think there's a massive problem with education issues. We're going to have huge issues with students who have missed a lot of education down the line compared to the students who did not. If it was across the world, everyone being equally disadvantaged or even same country disadvantaged, it wouldn't be a problem. We'd all just say, well, that was the year that we didn't get educated as much. We all move on. But a lot of people did just go on with their education. People with money and resources were able to educate their children through the internet. But there are places in the world, I mean, even first world countries, such as where I live in Australia, there are people in the state I live in, Western Australia, that cannot get access to the internet in any reliable way. And they are stuffed when it comes to things like having schools shut down. And there are many places a lot worse off than Australia. So... Please keep that in mind that there's going to be this ongoing disparity between the haves, probably you if you're listening to this podcast, and the have-nots. So keep an eye out for them. Try to help each other. I know that's very general. Like, how, Greg? How? I I don't know. Uh, Don't be a dick. How about that? Don't be a dick and maybe don't make the extra million dollars. (laughs) I know, yes, all our listeners. Sorry, listeners. You will make millions of dollars. I'm blaming you. Uh, <laughs> but if, hopefully you know what I mean. It's it's Maybe we all just don't get to make stonks, massive stonks. Maybe we all have to just make little stonks, tiny little stonks, and only get slightly fatter and richer so the world can actually move on. Ah, what do I know? I'm a dirty socialist. Ah, who thinks that everyone should probably have their Maslow's hierarchy of needs looked after, like food and shelter and education and self-actualization. Oh, I'm a monster. Anyway, (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode and hearing from a continent you probably haven't heard from before, unless you live in South Africa. Hello, South African listeners. Now that I know that we have a number of you, nice to have you with us. My goodness, I'm rambling today. It's a rambling kind of day. Now, ladies and gentlemen, be excellent to each other. Try and keep your head above water. And maybe if you have the resources, maybe reach out with your floaty hands and keep someone else's head above water as well. There's an idea. We're all in this together on the spaceship Earth, flying through space one second at a time. And there's no way of getting off unless you're Ingenuity, the helicopter, which had its fourth flight. But wow, I am really rambling. I'm out. That's it for me. <sighs> be good. Be kind. And that's it, really. Be good and be kind. Here's a motto. Be kind. Be kind. <laughs>